guys look good. You guys look great. You look great, Sean. You look nice. I like your beard. It's amazing. Um, itchy. It's like uh, you, look, you, you look great. Almost a little Daniel Groves uh, look there with hair. I like it. Um, how about Pastor Daniel last weekend? That was phenomenal. He crushed it. Loved it. Loved his word. And he actually said something last weekend that kind of struck my heart. And if you, if you missed last week, you can go back and watch it. But he said something when he was preaching last weekend that struck my heart. And, I, and, and it really, we had already been kind of talking about this, but it really fired up something in me to preach and start a new series. He said, your, your waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. And so this weekend, we're launching a new series entitled Work Your Weight. Turn to somebody next to you and say, work your weight. Work your weight. And, and our flagship scripture is out of Isaiah chapter 40. And if you're churchy or you've been around church for a long time, then this one can make you want to crank up the Hammond B3 organ and just sing a little bit. Because it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. And right, remember the old, old school song. And, and we love that. I love that verse of scripture. I love it. They that wait upon the Lord. It's a promise. You wait upon the Lord. You'll renew your strength. And I love that verse of scripture. I love to talk it. I just don't love to walk it. I like to declare it. I just don't like to live the waiting. And we literally right now have been, you at your house or wherever you are, quarantined, cooped up with the same people. God bless them. We've been waiting. I don't know in our lifetime that we have ever been in a season like we've been in worldwide where we all have one thing in common. We're all waiting. We don't like waiting. I don't like it. I had a moment, uh, I think it was about 10 weeks ago, Whenever they shut everything down, like the shelter in place happened. And thank God, um, the state of Texas deemed that the church was an essential business. And uh, I think that's amazing. So we, uh, I was still out working and still out doing ministry. In fact, we've done more ministry in the last 10 weeks than I think we've done in the last five years. It's just crazy how many people. We fed over half a million people. I think that's incredible. Our mission team, our dream team. Come on, baby. But I was driving, I was driving, I think it was a Monday or a Tuesday, and it was like 8.30 in the morning. I was driving to the office, and it was a ghost town. There was nobody out. And if you don't know Houston, that never happened. Houston is, is plagued. Houston is plagued by traffic. Like in the morning, the Holy Spirit's like, I'm out. And it just falls into chaos. And then like between, I don't know, between 11 and 3.30, the Holy Spirit comes back into the city and then he rolls out again and it's just chaos. But, but on this specific day, that's not true. That was a joke. For those of you who are super offended religious people, stop it. Well, they're super offended religious people don't watch us. <laughs> oh, I love you. And if you did, you're, you stopped. Um, just then you stopped. But anyway, we were driving. I'm on one today. We're going to have fun. It is what it is, kids. We're not rewinding recording over. Here we go. Um, so I'm driving down, and it's just empty. I even, I even made a little video of it. And, Mom, if you're watching this, I was watching the road while I was making the video. I wasn't looking. But I, was, I just wanted my wife to see there's literally no cars out. And then, and then last week, I'm on the same stretch. I'm driving home at 530, and it's the Katy Freeway. By the way, if you don't know, you can Google it. The Katy Freeway is the largest freeway system in the world. 26 lanes wide. It's just insane. Half a million cars a day between Katy Freeway and, and Beltway 8 that intersect right there. In fact, that's where our new church is going to be, right at that intersection. Just crazy. We're excited about that. But, 
But when I got back on, this is last week, I've been used to just getting home. I mean, like just getting home like that. I got back on and it was gridlock, like nothing but brake lights. And you know what I did? It was weird. I was like, yeah, woo, we're back for like 30 seconds. And then I was like, oh God, get over there. And then the lady was like, hey, pastor. I was like, oh God bless you. Can I get in front of you? Um, we, we don't, we like talking about waiting on the Lord, but we don't actually like to wait on the Lord. In fact, sometimes we'll, we'll blame, our, uh, blame something that we're waiting on on God. Somebody say, well, how you doing? I'm just waiting on the Lord. Yeah. And sometimes that's not true. God is waiting on you. What we call patience, heaven calls procrastination. And we just say, well, I'm just waiting on God. And God's like, no, I've already given you everything that you need to do what I've called you to do. You just actually have to take a step. You have everything you need at your disposal. I, I learned this lesson a few years ago. Uh, my daughter Jillian, she's uh, eight now, and uh, she was turning. Uh, she was turning one. And uh, how many of you guys have kids in here? If you have kids, if you're on the chat, raise your hand. Actually, just put a number. How many kids you have? And maybe you're watching this on TV. So we have several TV stations that play it too. So just hold your hand up in front of the. <laughs> hold your hand up in front of the TV. So, so I have five biological children and a plus one who's sitting right there. So I have a lot of kids. And when you have, when you have your, your kid's first birthday, um, that first birthday is a big deal, right? It's a big deal. It's not a big deal to them because they won't even remember it. But it's a big deal to you. So you go all out. For, let me just tell you this right now. As you have more kids, the first birthday just don't even matter. You're like, ah, okay. Um, but we had this huge party for Jillian. And uh, we, uh, we, Jennifer was like, hey, do you want to do a cookout? And I was like, do you mean I want to show off my grill skills? Of course I do. So we'll do a cookout. She invited people that didn't even know our kids. Um, we had all kinds of people. Literally, we had, a, we had a princess bouncy house in the backyard. My, my one-year-old daughter couldn't even get in the princess bouncy house. It was for other kids. We had two cakes. Y'all know, know what two cakes is for? Come on, parents know what two cakes is for. One of them is a regular cake that's like looks nice and everybody gets to eat it. The other one's a little bit smash cake. It's called a smash cake. And that's for your kid. Whenever you give that, you put it there on their high chair and you're like, go ahead, baby, go ahead and eat it. And if they don't eat it, you smash their head into it and take an Instagram. It's all for the gram, kids. We know that. Some of y'all don't know. Clothes like that happens. Yes. Um, and so, so I was out cooking burgers. All the kids are out there playing. And I had a gas grill. Had all, and I pride myself in my ability to cook really good burgers. And so I had it going. And... And as I'm cooking the burgers, I'm just, I'm watching it. I'm talking. There's neighbors. It's awesome. And all of a sudden, the burners go out. And it's like, there's one of them that's just down to a little thin blue flame. And I'm like, this, this is not good. Because I know I checked if we had enough propane. That's the first thing. Yes, <laughs> that's like an amateur mistake. And so I just reached down and made sure and it was still full. And I was like, all right, this is not cool. And so it's taking me a while. I'm trying to figure it out. And Jennifer comes out. And she's like, hey, sweetheart, when are the burgers going to be ready? And I'm like, it's, no, I don't know. Like, she was like, well, what's the problem? And I was like, I don't know. Look at this right here. Like there's 30 neighbors behind us and we have a whisper fight. Married people know what a whisper fight is. It's like, we gonna fight. We just don't want you to know we fighting, you know? Literally, we're turned around like this and we're talking. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, well, you better figure it out. I'm like, well, if I didn't create the grill, I can't figure it out. I'm not Mr. Handyman. You know, she's like, well, you better be handy. You better figure it out. And I was like, don't point at me. And she was like, I will point at you. I was like, go back inside. She's like, okay. I was like, I'm praying. And I'm trying to figure it out. It's a whisper fight, you know. And we turned around like, hey, how you guys doing? And my neighbor's like, having a little problem with the grill? I'm like, walk away, Scott. Um, he never came to our house again. That's a true story. Um, he might actually be watching this. Love you. Love you, buddy. Um, anyway. <laughs> Things that happened. Um, anyway, so what I ended up doing was I went inside and I got a George Foreman grill. 
and I set the George Foreman grill next to the gas grill and I ran an extension cord. And so as they like, I would just heat them up over here because, you know, George Foreman grills like yay big. And so I'm just cooking like three, four hamburgers at a time. It's taking forever. And while I'm in the midst of this, I hear the most uproarious screams of terror coming from behind me. Like, ah! I turn around and the bouncy house is imploding. It's just like, <laughs> and parents are like, get up! And kids are like, ah! They're like, you can make it! I'm like, for God's sakes, people. It's not going to eat your children, okay? It's just a big plastic inflatable house. I went and I realized that the George Foreman grill had flipped the breaker and caused the breaker. So I had to go turn the breaker back. If it had been a Muhammad Ali grill, that would have never happened. But... They don't sell those. And after all of this was over, uh, a guy that was there walks out. was dumb. A guy that was there, thanks for that delayed laughter. Um, a guy that was there walked over and he was like, hey, man, I think I know the problem. I was like, okay, Wes, where were you 10 minutes ago? And he said, you see this little piece right here? And if you look uh, between the propane tank and the, the place where you plug it in to the burners, there's a little metal piece it looks like it has a lid on it. He said, you know what that is? And I said, no, I don't. He said, that's a regulator. And he said, that regulates how much fuel gets from the tank to the burners. He said, you had plenty of fuel in the tank. The burners were clean and fine, but something was wrong with the regulator and you weren't able to get what you needed where you needed it in order to do what you wanted to do. And y'all know I'm a preacher. I was like, Wes, that will preach. <laughs> because prayer is our regulator. And when I'm waiting, if I'm not praying, there's no power pumping through my situation. You have everything that you need at your disposal, but God will not force you to exercise what you have access to. You have to make that decision. Some of us say, well, I'm just waiting on God to open a door. You ever said that? Oh, Lord, just open the door. Somebody else say, I talk to a lot of people like, hey, you know, I'm just waiting on an open door. But Revelations chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Here's what I think. I think a lot of us are saying things like, Well, I'm just waiting on God, when the truth is, God is waiting on you. So what do I do in the waiting? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 tells us, they that wait upon the Lord, I want you to listen to this, listen. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I don't know why I did that, but they will. They'll mount up with wings as eagles, because you're right there. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Think about that. They that wait upon the Lord, we get a picture of waiting like this. What are you doing? I'm just waiting on the Lord. Mm -mm. Waiting according to Isaiah 40, 31 looks a whole lot like working. They that wait, they're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They're going to run and not be weary. They're going to walk and not faint. So we have to learn how to work your wait. Well, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to give you some things because here's the challenge that I have. And I've talked to a lot of people. My challenge right now is I fear that some of us are coming out of quarantine worse than when we went in. There were things that we couldn't do. So we started and we replaced the things that we couldn't do with things that we shouldn't do. 
Listen, I want you to come out of quarantine stronger and more on fire and more filled with hope and more filled with faith than when you walked in. So here's how you do it. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. You have to keep walking. You ha- if, you want to, if you want to grow in the waiting season, you just got to keep walking. You got to keep walking. Keep, I'll tell you this. We found a way quickly. Our church worked so hard. Kudos. Shout out to our team. We have teams all in the chat rooms right now. They're the ones posting the points in there and giving you the scriptures and giving you the digital high fives. We got a crazy, awesome digital dream team. We launched all of that about 10 weeks ago. Our team worked really hard to get all of our groups online. And we have thousands of people in groups all over the world right now because our team worked hard on it. I can tell you this. My group went digital, and I'm grateful because my group helped me keep walking. And I don't know how long we're going to be in this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. People are saying, when are we getting out of this? <laughs> don't know. God's timing is not my timing. God's timing is hard to understand. I heard, I heard a little story about a dude who had a conversation with God. And he was like, hey, God, I just got some questions. And God was like, all right, what's your questions? He said, what is, what is, a, what is a million years to you? And God was like, it's like, it's like a minute. The guy was like, that's crazy. What is a million dollars to you? God was like, that's a penny. And the guy was like, for real? That's so cool, God. Hey, God, can I have a penny? And God was like, yeah, just a minute. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. It's dumb. It's really dumb. Thank you for laughing and clapping a little bit. I got the obligatory laugh from the team here. <laughs> I saw you. Kim didn't laugh at all. Whatever, it's fine. You smile at me. Here, here's the truth. Understanding God's timing is really hard. Because he doesn't count time as we count time. I preached a message a few years ago at Elevation Church, and I explained God's timing as it relates to science through, uh, through Einstein's theory of relativity. And so it's about a three-minute clip. I want you to take a look at this, and then we'll come back and keep preaching. Check this out. The easiest way for me to explain how God operates is through science. So we're going we're gonna to drop some science right now with, with the, uh, theory, uh, the theory of relativity from Einstein. Is that okay? Here's what it says. Einstein's theory of relativity says time and speed are relative to the objects that are measuring them. Time and speed are relative to the objects that are measuring them. Let me ask you a question. How fast am I going right now? (laughs) The speed of moron. That's what you're thinking. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Your perspective says I'm standing still. But if you understand how fast our Earth is spinning on its axis and how fast our Milky Way galaxy is moving through the universe, then you realize we're going more than two million miles per hour. But from where you're sitting, it looks like we're standing still. God operates in a different realm than where you operate. His ways are not our ways. Here's what Einstein said. He said, the faster you go, the slower time becomes. And at the speed of light, time would stop and distance would shrink to nothing. Time and space are not constant and universal. They are flexible and personal to the observer. Einstein said, the problem lies, and I want you to get this, not in relativity, but in assuming that our common sense represents reality. So what I'm trying to tell you is what you see is not all that there is. Can you come help me for just a minute? Oh, bearded wonder. What's your name, man? Jesse. I prefer bearded wonder. How old are you, bearded wonder? 28. 28. This is cool. I think you should grow it out and curl it on the side. All right, 28. So 28 years ago, Jesse's timeline began somewhere over here. Now, my hope is, turn sideways, my hope is that way, 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 way down here, God gives you long years, okay? But here's what we do know, all right? You only move one way on this timeline, right? Chronologically, you move forward. You never move backwards. You don't have that kind of power. Do you have that kind of power? Just make sure I didn't get a crazy person up here. Yes, I do. Okay, security. Um, 
Jesse moves one way, all right? Here's what I want you to understand. We move one way with age, but there are some of us, and we never stop moving forward. You're getting older right now. <laughs> You're approaching death. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great weekend. Um, you move one, one direction. You move one way, but emotionally and spiritually, I've seen people get stuck on a timeline and never be able to get over something that happened. Listen, you can't get over it until you go through it. You can't get past it until you deal with it. And so I've seen people who are 65 years old but no wiser because they've been living the same year over and over and over again. God wants you to move forward, but here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't operate like you and I operate. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He was there at the foundation of the world. He didn't have a start. Try to think of when God started. I'll break your brain. He's everywhere at once. He's always been. He never was. He never will be. He is. Whenever Moses said, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? God said, I am. Is, uh, okay. Is there a last name? I am that I am. Mic drop. Why would he say I am that I am? Because he never was. He never will be. He always is. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's why. Because God doesn't move one way. Einstein even knew this. God operates outside of time and space. He moves backwards. He moves forwards. He can move around. He can move up and down. Here's what I'm trying to help you understand. Some of us are stuck in time, and God's saying, listen, whenever you pray, you start asking God, God, I need an answer. God, I need you to come through. God, I need a breakthrough. And all of a sudden, God goes, all right, Jesse, I love you. I found, you found favor in my eyes, and he drops the answer on our timeline. We're just not ready for it yet, but we have to keep walking forward until we walk into the answer that has already been provided. So please, don't stop in the middle of pain. Promises on the other side of the process. Somebody shout unto God with a voice of trust. Come on, somebody. You got to keep going. What you see is not all there is. God's outside of time and space, so you just have to keep walking. And when you read this book, you find this exemplified time and time and time again. God does not always show you everything he wants you to do. Our problem is we want the full plan. God, listen, if you just give me the full plan, the whole strategy, exactly what you want me to do, then I'll follow it, Lord, if I agree. And we just want God's plan as an option for us to look at. And God's saying, I need you to just keep walking. Look at Abraham. Look at the life of Abraham. Genesis 12. I love this. I've used this story so many times. I think it, it is such a great example of God's formula in the waiting. The Lord said to Abram, this is before he is Abraham, the H. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. That's, have you thought, like, you can just read past that and be like, oh, Awesome. But think about the conversation that had to happen. Abram, my son, go ye therefore from thine people and thine kinsmen. Sounds like the hobbit. Get thee. Come <laughs> if this is your first time uh, at Hope City. It's not getting better, guys. This is it. Get thee from thine people and go. Where, Lord? 
Where wilt thou have me to go? To the land that I will show you. <laughs> like, it sounds kind of evil. Like, it's almost like a trick. It sounds like a trick if you just read it like that. But God's formula in the waiting is go and I'll show. As you walk, God unlocks. His word is a lamp unto my feet, not a spotlight so that I can see two miles ahead of me. The problem is we want to fly through life at 10 miles over the speed limit and God's going, no, 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 no. I want you to move at the pace that I have you moving because if you get to where I want you to go before you are ready for it, the miracle that I could use in your life will cause you to blow up. So I'm going to slow you down. Watch Abraham. Abraham follows God. And there's all kind of references all throughout the scripture. I love the book of Romans. It references Abraham. Romans chapter four, verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. Everybody say by faith. By faith. So that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got a guarantee. I got a guarantee. So to all Abraham's offspring. Now, this is powerful because it's not just to the Jewish uh, people. It says not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's you and that's me. He is the father of us all. Side note, he was about 75 when God really started radically using him. So please stop saying, my season is past. I'm too old. It's already over. With God, all things are possible. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, Abraham, in whom he believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. What does this mean? God does not see things the way you see things. God doesn't see you the way you see you. God sees you as he created you to be and calls you from where you are to there. But you have to shift your perspective. If you don't shift your perspective, you'll never keep walking. You ever been in the middle of an argument? Husbands. <laughs> you ever been in the middle of an argument with your wife and realized you're wrong? You're wrong. Just raise your hand if that's you, guys. Come on. See, I see. That's all of you, except for Melky. What are you doing? You're going to die. Melky. <laughs> Melky's going to sleep on this couch tonight. No, like, like you're in the middle of an argument with somebody and, and you realize in the middle of the argument that you're wrong, but you don't want to admit it. So you do something dumb, like you change the subject or you fake a phone call. You're like, oh, I got to take this call. <laughs> Side note, have you ever been faking a phone call and somebody called while you were faking the phone call? <laughs> You're like walking away. You're like, I got to take this. You're like, hey, how you doing? Ring. You're like, oh, must have lost them. <laughs> Some of us are faking a phone call with God and he gets it. He already knows that we're wrong and we've continued to argue a perspective. Please stop saying that you're a mess and there's no way that God could ever use you because my God can take things that are messy and turn them into a miracle. You've just got to trust him. Abraham didn't understand it all, but he kept walking. Just keep walking. What's the next step? Well, we give you plenty of next steps. We are a church of action. We give you plenty of next steps. Go through growth track. Discover your purpose. You can do that online. They'll put a link in the chat room or maybe at the bottom of the screen. Go through growth track. Hopecity.com slash growth track. How about that? How, how simple is that? Go through growth track. Discover your purpose. Get on the digital dream team. Start a Hope City watch party. Invite a few people over that are safe that you know that, hey, I, I want you to come over. Maybe some family members. I get pictures every week of people like, hey, this is my family. These are people that are watching with us. Do something. You've got to keep walking. 
If you read verse 18, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Don't miss that. He believed, and so became. So you got to keep walking. The second thing you got to do is you got to keep believing. you got to keep believing. Some of us haven't received, because somewhere along the line, we haven't believed. You won't be receiving if you stop believing. When I believe that God's word is true, then I will keep walking into a blessing. The clearest example in the scripture I find of of people who believed and the results and people who stopped believing and the result is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter one, um, Jesus is ascending at some of his Last words to his people. He's, he's, he's on the mountain. He, he's got about 500 people gathered around. And as he's talking, he tells them, hey, uh, don't leave. Go, go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. It's the promise of the Father. And he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, hey, listen, you can't do what's next for you until you get what I have for you. Ironically, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is when we celebrate um, Pentecost. And it was on, on that weekend that the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell. I think it's just powerful. God, Jesus says, hey, don't, don't go. Wait. There's something happening. Wait for it. Some of us actually are waiting on God. But you work while you wait. And so they go, and they go to the upper room, and you find them in Acts chapter 2. They've been praying for 10 days. They've been, they've been walking around having a prayer meeting for 10 days. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all in one place and one accord, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and cloven tongues like as a fire set up on each of them, and they were all baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Power happened. When they waited on God, but notice they were working their weight. They weren't just sitting in a room. They were in one place, in one accord. That word accord means they were together. They were praying. It was a Holy Ghost prayer meeting and God visited them. And notice what happens because they waited and they did. They worked their way. They did what God told them to do. You, you go on to Acts chapter two, verse 12, because all of a sudden they start speaking with other tongues and people who did not speak their language started hearing them declare the glory of God in a language they understood. So they're freaking out. They're like, this is weird. Verse 12. Actually, they didn't say this is weird. Here's what they said. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Blame it on the alcohol. It doesn't say say that. It does not say that. That's not. (laughs) You're dismissed. Have a great week, kids. That's not in the original text. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as you suppose. This is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And it was happening in that moment. That's what we celebrate Pentecost Weekend for us, that's a powerful moment. More than just a celebration or a feast, it's a powerful moment. We remember when the early church really began with power. Here's what's peculiar. Jesus ascended in front of 500 people, but only 120 waited the 10 days to receive. Have you thought about that? Literally, Jesus ascended. He levitated in front of them. 
Go ye, my children, and tear. I mean, that's awesome. Can you do that? Okay, good, because if you said yes, out. Um, he levitates, and they still don't wait. You have a promise, but you cannot negate the process that it takes to walk through to receive the promise. So please, please, please don't miss what God has for you. I, I believe that every person watching should say, God, baptize me with your spirit. I want what they had in the book of Acts. I want that power. It was so strong. Listen to this. The power of the Holy Spirit is so strong that Jesus said, don't go without it. Power of the Holy Spirit is going to give you power to be witnesses. Listen, I'm not walking in my own authority. I'm walking in the authority of the Holy Spirit. I can't do this by myself. I pray that God anoints us to do our part. But God, we need you to step in and step up and to change hearts and lives. You got you to keep walking. You got to keep believing. And ultimately, finally, you got to keep declaring. I believe this. If you pray through, God will come through. Don't give up. Keep declaring. Children know how to do this. Y'all have kids. They bug you. Daddy, please. Can I have this? Please. I need this. Please. I'm like, stop it. Why do you think that the, the word of God constantly tells us, hey, you need to come as a little child. Yes. Children understand faith. My daughter, when she was seven, Jaden, my oldest, when she was seven, I'll never forget, we were driving home from church one night. She was in her little car seat in the back and a little booster seat. I'm driving home, and Jen was driving the other car home because we had to take two cars to church, and we're driving home. And Jaden goes, Daddy. I said, yes. She said, I need a phone. And I went, you do not need a phone at seven. And some of you are like, my seven-year-old has a phone, and that's the problem. All right, that's not what I'm preaching about. She said, I need, I'm playing, don't get mad. I said, it's true, come on, hey, don't get mad when I'm preaching truth. Um, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. So uh, she says, I need a phone. And I said, you're seven. She said, a lot of seven-year-olds have a phone. I said, well, they ain't, they ain't my seven-year-olds. You don't need a phone. She said, I need a phone, even a pink one. That's, I'll, I'll never forget exactly how she said it. She not only knew what she wanted, she knew the exact color of what she wanted. And I have to tell you something. It was not a need. It was a want. But nine years later when she was 16, yeah, parents, listen to that. 16, that's when that girl got a phone. Um, my eight-year-old already has one, so never mind. All right, so no, I'm kidding. She doesn't. She doesn't. She steals her mom. But nine years later, the want becomes a need. I knew that she would need a phone at some time, but she never stopped asking until I finally provided what I knew she was ready for. So please don't stop asking God to bring you through. Bring me out. God, deliver us. Strengthen us. Don't stop declaring. And I know it's going to be hard. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe it's a marital situation. Maybe it's Maybe, maybe uh, this whole quarantine thing has caused some stuff to be exposed in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships. And now you're going, I wish this would have never happened because look at what we have to work through. Maybe it's your kids just been trying to manage that. Maybe you've lost your job. And you're, and you're looking at, at the screen right now going, I don't know what to do. Keep declaring. Keep walking. Keep believing. I know it's hard. Look at me. I know it's hard. Some people say, look, you, you don't understand. I'm a mess. I want you to believe beyond what you can see. Because what you see is not all there is.
and your life may be completely messed up. Your hope may be completely gone. I pray today that God restores your hope. He restores your faith. He encourages your heart that it's not over. It's not over for you. It's not over for us. We're going to make it. We're going to walk through this trust in God. But it's going to take you admitting that you cannot do it on your own. I prayed before this sermon. I said, God, I can't do this. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix people. I don't know how to help people, but I do know that you do. So I'm going to do what I can do and let you do what you can do. Listen, you have to trust that he's able to do more than what you can and put your life in his hands. That's what I want us to do right now. We're going to pray in this room and I want you to pray where you are. And we're going to declare that our lives are not our own. This may be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer or the first time you've really prayed this prayer. Or maybe you've prayed it a thousand times. It needs to be prayed again. Will you pray with me right now? Jesus, I declare that my life is not my own. I can't do this without you. You are the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. You're the one who gives me power the one who gives me strength. So in this moment, I repent of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to cleanse my heart. And right now, I receive your love. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. And I trust you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.